Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. In today's episode, we're going to explore trends in additive manufacturing. I'm speaking with Arjun Agarwal, Vice President of Business Development at Desktop Metal. Desktop Metal uses carbon fiber to make metal 3D printing with a desktop system accessible to all engineers, designers, and manufacturers. So thank you for joining me today, Arjun. Thanks so much, Leslie. Happy to be, happy to be chatting about uh, metal 3D printing and, and continuous fiber 3D printing yeah. as well. Um, additive manufacturing seems to be changing all the time. So what trends are you seeing? And you can focus specifically on metal if you wish to. Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple of different things. I think that you know, on the metal side uh, and even the composite side, the industry is early enough that folks are still kind of grappling with some of the technology out there. You know, plastic 3D printing has become quite mature and, and you're starting to see that as people are starting to switch or, or upgrade use cases from prototyping design to more production use cases with end use parts. Um, and, and I think that in, in metal and uh, composites, you're starting to see the early inklings of uh, a similar phenomenon. I think some of the newer metal 3D printing systems, and I'll, I'll focus on metal for a second and then get to the, the composite systems as well. But on the metal side, I think, um, you know, one of the things that, that we worked on, and there are several players in the industry looking to address this, is uh, really focusing on accessibility of the technology. Our studio system, you know, takes what was previously a, a pretty cumbersome process and, and makes it uh, easy to use in, in office and work environments. You know, it eliminates a lot of loose powders. Um, it brings it in at an affordable price point, and, and it's really designed to get people who have not had much exposure in metal 3D printing and are mostly using machining or you know, traditional manufacturing processes uh, and, and gives them the opportunity to start playing around with design uh, for additive because that's another big component to being able to leverage the technology. So I think accessibility is a key trend. Um, and then um, you know, as, as it is in the plastic 3D printing industry, um, another thing that, that we're focused on and the industry is certainly starting to turn its eye towards as well is starting to build systems that are robust and productive enough to use in medium and high volume application scenarios. So, you know, really end, end user applications, things that you can put into products to provide to end users in quantities of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands even. Um, there are, you know, an array of, of folks in, in the market that are, are trying to address this problem. We built our shop system and our production system are, you know, those are both designed specifically for volume manufacturing, you know, where customers are looking to drive utilization of equipment to produce parts for customers, you know, internal or external. So there, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not just speed. It's also consistency and reliability and, and part qualities. So all of those are, I think, um, additional kind of key things to focus on as part of this larger trends toward uh, production. And then I think, uh, you know, material development is another one where uh, the industry has been pretty limited in terms of the material palette availability. Uh, and that's certainly starting to broaden as more customers are adopting this industry. So it's, it's being really driven by the customer needs in terms of what they're looking for to suit their applications. So those are a couple of high level trends. On the, on the composite side, um, I'll address it really quick. You know, 
people are looking for, the, the whole purpose behind composites are, you know, really strong material performance, uh, high strength, but also really lightweight. Um, so something that could take the place of, you know, say an aluminum part, um, even, you know, lighter weight than that, but stronger than steel. I think people are looking at how to replicate what is best practices in industry today uh, for more traditional composite manufacturing processes. So looking at continuous, continuous fiber reinforcement is really big. Um, there are a couple of players that, that do that in the market. We are taking, I think, a unique approach with our, our new fiber printer, uh, which we, we launched last fall, where we're actually tr really trying to develop an analogous process to uh, the tape layup process, the automated tape placement process used pretty widely in industries like aerospace. So we've basically taken that and, and uh, adapted it for use alongside an extrusion-based uh, 3D printer. So we're reinforcing composite parts with that continuous fiber tape. Uh, but I think that is a, a big trend in the, continue, in the uh, composite industry is looking at continuous fibers as a way to reinforce and achieve that, that high strength to weight ratio. How long do you think it will be before we get to a point where engineers are really comfortable with composite materials as far as performance and mechanical characteristics? Will we have sufficient testing to convince them that they don't necessarily have to use the same type of materials that they used to use for injection molding or for machining, for example? So I would say that engineers are actually already very comfortable with composites in general. I mean, it is a composite technology is used very widely in industry today, you know, specifically something like aerospace where, uh, and, and even automotive where weight is really important to uh, fuel consumption. So maintaining high strength to weight ratios for your parts is, is really critical. I think the, the hurdle or the challenge to overcome is not, specifically related to composites in and, of the, in and of themselves, more related to 3D printed composites, specifically parts made out of chopped fiber, which is the, the traditional kind of filament-based material. You know, if you have a, a composite 3D printer today, for the most part, you're going to be using chopped fiber reinforced filament uh, versus, you know, what we're able to leverage in, in fiber, which is continuous fiber tape. There are some other players out there that have continuous fiber filament, but again, it's different from what they're used to, which is tape and pre, you know, pre-peg tape, which is what we leverage in fiber. So I think it's more about uh, getting end users familiar with what 3D printed composite parts perform like. Um, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, that's a matter of testing and, and third-party validation. So it, it's early in the, the continuous fiber industry um, for 3D printing. Uh, and I think that, you know, I would expect to see over the next year or two early adopters really getting into the, the foray. But over the, you know, two, three, five-year time frame, there should be plenty of third-party validation, uh, research organizations, and, and end users validating the, the material performance themselves for this to become quite widespread in the market. Okay. So now, are you seeing any changes in which kind of industries are adopting metal 3D printing additive manufacturing systems? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think traditionally, the economics of metal 3D printing haven't been super friendly for a wide variety of industries because of some of the limitations of the technologies, you know, uh, where the cost of the systems and the facilities has been super high, but the 
productivity has not really uh, been as high. You're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with a lot of existing technologies. That's not to say they don't have their market. They do. It's just in, in high value parts. So things like aerospace, things like uh, medical devices, that's where metal 3D printing has traditionally had its niche. Mm-hmm. I think that as you start to expand the accessibility of the technology, so both on the lower end for uh, you know prototyping machines that don't require the facilities investment or are a little uh, you know more affordable, maybe they're not more productive, but because the costs are coming down, certainly you know in the lower volume side, uh, you're starting to see a much broader adoption uh, across industries. You know we ourselves uh, at Desktop Metal. Uh, we have, you know, hundreds of customers and they span industries from uh, consumer products to automotive to oil and gas, heavy industry. Um, I, I think there's, there's really a broad, a broad swath of industries represented and applications within those industries. I think as finally you're starting to see some of the promise of 3D printing, which is that it, 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 at its best, it's more of a horizontal technology than a vertical technology. And it's mm-hmm. more about how are you going to use the system than what industry you're in? As you look at production use cases, I, I think it's the same story where aerospace and, and medical devices, the quantities have been low enough that it's okay you know, for traditional powder bed fusion is, is the kind of predominant technology in the industry today. It's okay if they can't get to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of parts per year. But as more technologies are coming into the foray for production, you know, and with binder jetting, which is the technology for 3D printing that our shop system and our production system leverage, and you can start to get into those quantities of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of parts, it starts to really open up the application spectrum. So something like consumer electronics, where, you know, the quantities just didn't make sense at all with metal 3D printing. Now, finally, there are solutions that, that may be able to address uh, those applications. So we really are starting to see automotive is, is an early adopter uh, for some of our technology, consumer electronics, consumer products, machine design and machine tooling. These are all uh, industries that are starting to adopt the technology as it becomes more accessible at the low end and more productive at the high end. Now, are you finding that some of your production systems are being installed on factory plant floors? Yeah, so we have a couple of installations for our, our production systems, and that is exactly right. They're being installed on factory floors. They are, you know, true industrial manufacturing systems. So, you know, these are these are not what our studio system is, which is a you know an accessible in your work environment, right mm-hmm. on your desk. You know, you can print and. You can be designing your parts one second and then send it to print the next second all in, in one kind of office. You know, you can fit the studio system through a through an ADA compliant door. The production system is truly a, a mass manufacturing piece of equipment and we would expect it to be on factory floors. And, and that's where uh, the ones that we have out uh, at, at customers are today. And, you know, they're being used to ramp up production. In working with your customers, with the design engineers, are you seeing any specific skill sets that they need to uh, improve upon or adopt, or are they pretty well comfortable with your specific technology? Um, I don't know that it's specific skill sets that they need to improve or adopt. I think it's just that 
engineers, you know, design engineers have been trained in one way, in the same way for so many years now, um, for subtractive processes, for tooling-based processes, you know, uh, for machining or casting or metal injection molding. And it's certainly uh, a little bit of a shift to have to, you know, look at uh, a 3D printer and say, how do I manufacture for that? You know, how do I how do I have to think about my design for the shop system? Or how do I have to think about my design for fiber? Uh, these are new technologies and, and the benefits of these technologies are different from, from what the traditional manufacturing processes are. I think first and foremost, um, one of the things that, that 3D printing allows is for design flexibility. That's not to say that you can make any shape in the world that you would ever imagine. You get pretty darn close. Uh, but but there are things to that, that you may want to keep in mind when you're manufacturing, and a lot of it has to do with you know uh, maximizing success and maximizing yield. You know, as parts get bigger, you know, you start to have to think about some of the design a little bit more as well. So I think it's less about skill sets that they need to pick up, and more just uh, you know practice makes perfect. It's it's new design paradigms, new considerations. Things like aspect ratios, hole sizes, overhang angles, these you know, may or may not all be things that uh, design engineers have had to think about in the past. If they have had to think about them in the past, it's, it's a different set of constraints uh, you know, with 3D printing than it is with traditional manufacturing. There may be looser constraints, uh, but all the same, I think there, there needs to be some consideration given. I think beyond constraints, you're looking at opportunities to improve performance of parts. You know, things like lightweighting, for example, really hard to do using lattice structures or infill uh, on traditional manufacturing. With 3D printing, this is one of the huge benefits. You can, you know, you can lightweight your components. You can reduce the amount of material that's being used to save costs and you know, if it's a component in a car, every gram of material saved is that much less fuel that, uh, that the car consumes. So it's more just a matter of getting exposure and starting to look at parts and say, maybe it works with 3D printing, but how can I really take advantage of the technology? Yeah, this is where failing uh, or having permission to fail can be so useful. Yeah, and that's why having uh, systems that are accessible, that design engineers can use themselves and really rapidly iterate on designs. That's why it's so critical. Uh, or having something like a shop system where you can batch produce and, you know, have 10 different design prototypes all at once and see which ones come out the best. I, I think that kind of tool is, is invaluable as design engineers are starting to adopt this new technology. So what is Desktop Metal exploring now? What kind of technology or changes or developments are you looking at that you can talk to? <laughs> yeah, well, we, you know, our, our two newest systems, our shop system and our, our fiber uh, printer, these are, these are kind of the, the, the newest things on the, on the block for our company. You know, with BinderJet 3D printing, I think this is what we believe is the future of metal additive manufacturing. It is a technology that really lends itself well to economic high value production, or sorry, high volume production. And so I think that's that's really where a lot of our focus has been. Um, you know, it started with the production system, and we recognize the need to do the same thing that we did with the studio system, which is let's let's bring it down market, let's make it more accessible. You know, we we built the shop system designed for 
machine shops, service bureaus, um, internal job shops. So it's, it's really designed to fit seamlessly into that workflow, be highly productive, have uh, you know, high quality parts come off. So we're focused on really making BinderJet 3D printing a high speed process and a robust process from a consistency and reliability perspective. Beyond that, you know, looking at materials uh, and expanding the, the material envelope uh, on the on the fiber side, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that one of the trends here is is folks starting to look at how to use continuous fiber, and, and I think this was really something that that we were uh, eager to see developed, and, and uh, we kind of went out and just did it ourselves with leveraging the existing material form factor that that many folks in industry are using. So uh, I think for us, it's a matter of working with. Uh, these new material composite systems, developing more, you know, figuring out how to optimize placements of continuous fiber reinforcement uh, to, to really maximize the part properties of a given application. So from a hardware perspective, those are things that we're focused on. We're also looking at the software side. Uh, you know, I should mention we have a generative design software tool, live parts. You know, we really see generative design as kind of a, a key technology for the future, you know, maybe not today or tomorrow, but certainly, you know, in the future, looking at how to leverage computers to actually optimize parts on behalf of humans uh, mm -hmm. is, is key. And Live Parts does it in a unique way where you, it's very analogous to 3D printing, where you're almost building the part, growing it over time and in real time so that, you know, users can adjust it themselves and see, you know, if I push this and increase that force, how does the part change? Or if I add that constraint, how does the part change? So that's, that's a, an area of focus for the company. And we're actually um, you know, leveraging that simulation technology to facilitate uh, some of our hardware efforts as well. You know, how do you ensure that customers are going to get really high quality, high accuracy parts out of the process over and over again? And so we're finding that some of the technology on the software side that we've developed for live parts is actually something that in the future we may be able to leverage, uh, again, all around reliability and consistency at high volumes, because that's a big focus for us on the metal side. Does that include software that can help with, for example, the production flow, letting engineers see what's going on inside during the build, as well as helping to smooth the build from design all the way through final production and, and part finishing? Uh, a little bit. So, you know, our software, we, we have software for each of our uh, printing systems today, and, and those really do cover the end-to-end -end process from okay. the digital part to getting your part out of the furnace. You know, for our studio system, our Fabricate software is a fully integrated end-to-end -end, uh, software solution that basically you just upload your digital part file, um, and from there, uh, it can be as hands-off or as hands-on as you want it to be in terms of preparing parts for your build uh, and then sending it in the instructions to the machines, tracking your parts through the process. So, you know, to some extent, I think we, we've already built some solutions around that. Uh, are we going to extend it to post-processing? Uh, you know, our solutions today don't uh, currently address that, but that's not to say that they won't in the future. I think, um, you know, there is a, a component of workflow software that's just knowing where your parts are and what's happening to, and, you know, what process they're undergoing uh, and tracking them through that. I think the other side of it is 
how do you uh, maximize the success through the process? And, and some of the stuff we're focusing on is uh, towards that ladder, uh, which is how do you maximize success through the right. process? Meanwhile, as I mentioned, our software for each of our systems does already to some extent support not only build preparation, but actually, you know, processing your parts all the way from digital part to finished uh, either metal part or uh, in the case of fiber uh, composite part. Fascinating. Okay. Is there any other trend? Have we covered all the bases or is there one more thing you want to say? Um, I think we covered a lot. Uh, you know, the, the point that I would, I would add to this is just that um, bears mentioning in a, in a post-coronavirus world, uh, the power of, of 3D printing. And, yeah. you know, I, I anticipate that at least in the near term, you know, most companies will still really be focusing on how do I solve this very concrete challenge with mm -hmm. 3D printing, you know, whether it's a part that they can't make, uh, and, but they need the design for the performance, you know, they can't make it with the machine or with the casting because of the geometry, or whether it's uh, something that can't be produced economically with traditional manufacturing. I think it's still these kind of very concrete applications that in the near term, customers are gonna look to for 3D printing. But I would suspect that in the longer term, you know, as uh, C-suite executives start to think about uh, you know, the impact of supply chain reorganization in the wake of coronavirus, we've seen, you know, just how important it is to have a flexible uh, manufacturing architecture, you know, for all intents and purposes, when much of the country's manufacturing capacity was shut down, you had uh, 3D printers all over the country continuing to manufacture and provide uh, parts from designs that were created on a daily basis because you don't have that tooling requirement. And projects like nasal swabs or even the um the plastic components for the full face shields that you know there's a whole bunch of ways that uh both people at the hobbyist level and companies you know within our, our industry uh on both the plastic and the metal side contributed I, I would expect that in the medium to long term uh some of those considerations start to take hold at, at a c-suite level and you start to see uh, companies uh in a more strategic way uh, start to leverage 3D printing for supply chain flexibility, for on-demand manufacturing, to limit the, the inventory that they need physically uh, on-site, to limit the tooling requirements, to simplify their manufacturing. So maybe instead of shipping, you know, subcomponents and components and assemblies all around the world, they can instead be shipping just raw materials and housing all their digital files, uh, mm -hmm. you know, central databases, and then manufacturing, you know, really at the endpoint. Um, or, or at nodes close to the endpoint. So I think that this is a, a, a broader trend. You know, will it have a, will it take hold and, and power through the industry in the next year, two years? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think certainly in the longer term and especially in the wake of coronavirus, that's something that we may see uh, in the, the medium to longer term. How can I leverage this proactively to drive you know business results as opposed to react to business results it's thinking about things like on-demand manufacturing you know instead of having to do a whole amount of aggressive demand planning uh and, and forecasting and you know i need x many of this part and y many of that part uh you can instead react a lot more nimbly to your customers you can introduce new products a lot more quickly um so there's there's a whole bunch of ways that you can leverage that flexibility 
proactively for business results. And I think that uh, unfortunately it, it took uh, this kind of event for, for many in the world to understand that the power that, that 3D printing offers. But nonetheless, I think a lot of people are, are awakened to that. And, mm -hmm. and hopefully uh, as we start to come out uh, on the other side of this, I, I think people will start to, to look at the technology more seriously at a strategic level versus uh, maybe at a, a more acute, you know, I need to solve this one problem and maybe 3D printing is the best way to do that. But, but yeah. right now that is still, you know, the majority of our customers are coming to us saying, we need to make this part more economically, or we need to improve the performance of this part, or we need that part faster. And, and that'll always be the norm, but I suspect we'll see a more strategic lens put on it in the medium to long term. And that would be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Good for the industry. Good for the users. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it'll it'll be great for for everyone around three D printing. Well, I thank you for your time and your information, Arjun. That was really wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to chat. Thanks for having me.